Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Jude chapter 1, verse 17, down through verse, well, at least 21. The Bible says this, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, here's the scripture that we're going to be focusing on. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Lord, add your blessing to the reading of the word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk a little bit about praying in the Spirit tonight. There are three areas that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about how that praying in the Spirit is a sign to the unbeliever according to the Scripture. And... Uh, you know, this is a Bible study tonight, so if you have something, question or anything, you can raise your hand or whatever. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the purpose of speaking in tongues. Uh, we'll talk about some of the purposes of speaking in tongues. And then we'll talk about whether we should be speaking in tongues in public or in private or how that should work. So we're going to try to cover those three bases tonight, get into the Word, see what the Word of God says about those things. All right, are you all ready? Okay. Either my hearing's getting bad or most of you didn't say anything. So, are you ready? No, my hearing's fine. My hearing's fine. Okay. All right. Beloved, remember ye the words that were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there would be mockers in the last time who would walk after their own ungodly lust. Now, then he goes on and he talks about praying in the Spirit. I think that if we really read this in context, and I've studied the book of Jude, I've preached entire series on just the book of Jude. One chapter there, but the book of Jude. And I think we really, really, really break this down and, and, and it's very simple. When the Bible said there would be mockers in the last times and how that they would be going after their own lusts and then he goes on and says praying in the Holy Ghost, what he was talking about was there will be people that will make fun of you when you operate in the Spirit. People who do not understand people who try to reason out what they can only receive by revelation, people who try to come up with some type of an intellectual answer for why people, quote, babble or whatever, people will, people will make fun of, of you and they will mock you and they will criticize you and you will become fodder sometimes even for late night comedians and whatnot. They will literally make fun of you. They'll mock you and they'll make fun of you. Now, here's what the Word of God says. When this happens, the Bible said they're walking after their own lust. And the Bible said, these be they who separate themselves. They're sensual and they don't have the Spirit. So the Word of God is telling us that the reason they're doing this is because they have separated themselves from God. 
They've separated themselves from the move of God. They separated themselves from what God's trying to do in the earth today. And the Bible says that they are sensual. That means they are touchy. You can offend them real easy. That's a sign of someone that's walking in the flesh. One of the things that I did not get to on Sunday when I was talking about pleasing God, the Word of God tells us that those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Because the flesh and the spirit war one against the other and the Bible said they're contrary to one another. Whatever you feed is what's going to grow and that's, that's who's going to win. And so when we feed our spirit, our spirit wins over the sensualities of the flesh. People that are fleshly are always going to have questions about why God does things the way that he does things. People that are operating in the flesh, living in the flesh are always going to second-guess God. And when people come along and they say, well, we should just pray about that, or they begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in other tongues, and then they're going to sit back and they're going to scratch their head and they're going to say, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I don't know why in the world they would want to act like that. Those people are walking after the flesh. They don't understand spiritual things. Now, let me tell you this. Uh, please understand they don't understand spiritual things not because they don't try to understand spiritual things. They can't. They can't understand spiritual things. The Bible said people that live in the flesh do not have the ability to understand spiritual things. And that's why it's important for us to walk in the Spirit. That's why it's important for us to realize, God, I need you to work through me. I need you to reveal things to me. And we need to live our lives sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to the move of God, to the presence of God. We need to understand sometimes God does speak to us. He speaks to us through people. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us in prayer. He speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through the different situations that we are in. If you're not hearing God, it's not because He's not speaking. It's because you're not listening. God is always speaking. Always. God is always Speaking, So the Bible said, ye beloved, build up yourselves. And this is what happened when people are mocking you, when they're being sensual, when, they don't, when, when they're walking after their own lust, when they do not have the spirit and they're being fleshly around you. The Bible says that at that point is when we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. And how do we do that? The next phrase tells us how we do that by praying in the Holy Ghost. There's something about your spirit praying that causes your spiritual man to come alive. Sometimes we need to stir ourselves up. The Bible says that we're supposed to stir ourselves up. Sometimes we come to church and we, I'm going to church because I need to be stirred up. What if you were stirred up before you got here? What would you receive from God then? What if everybody walked in on Sunday morning and said, I've come to receive what I can receive from the Lord, but I'm telling you right now, I'm already stirred up and my spirit is ready and my worship is ready and my heart is ready and my mind is ready and God, you can pour into me on the way to church and when I walk through those doors, just open up heaven and just fill me up. What would happen if we did that? 
Sometimes we just need to stir ourselves up. How do we stir ourselves up? We just, first of all, we make that confession. I'm stirred up. Praise the Lord. My flesh might not feel it, but my spirit is stirred up. Hallelujah. We get the Word of God inside of us. The Word of God is food for your spiritual man. The Word of God will strengthen you. Good, godly, Christian fellowship where there's lots of joy and lots of laughter will pick your spirit up and stir your spirit up and cause you to become stronger in the Lord. The Bible said that we are to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. So we have to take the responsibility ourselves to build ourselves up. And then the Bible says, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then it says in verse number 21, in the midst of all of this mockery, in the midst of all of this sensuality, in the midst of all of this fleshly stuff going around and people criticizing, making fun, scorning, mocking, all of this kind of stuff, in the midst of all of that, as you're building yourselves up, keep yourself in the love of God. Just keep yourselves in the love of God. Did you know what? You know, hatred can undo what love does. Faith works by love. Devastation works by hatred. And so we have to stay in love. The Bible said, keep yourselves in the love of God. Does that mean it's my responsibility to keep you in love? My responsibility to keep you in love? No, 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 no. Is it your neighbor's responsibility to keep you in love? Whose responsibility is it to keep yourselves in love? It's our responsibility, isn't it? The Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So many times people lose their love walk and they start blaming it on other people. You're the one that gave it up. You're the one that lost it. So go get it. Go get your love walk. Go back where you dropped it. Go back where you dropped the ball. Well, how do I do that? I come against hatred. I come against strife. I come against confusion. It's my right of sonship to walk in joy. It's my right of sonship to walk in unity. It's my right of sonship to have compassion, to let the anointing that brings the blessing of God into my life and splashes on those around me. That's my right. That's my right. And so I bind the enemy that will try to defeat me and discourage me and bring despair and bring hatred and bring chaos into my life. I'm going to keep myself in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. One of the things that I have learned through the years, some of you old, old timers will validate this, I'm starting to become a little bit of an old-timer myself. But one of the things that I have learned throughout the years is that I make the decision right now to stay in love. You don't make the decision to stay in love when the battle hits. That decision was already made. It was already made. And so we look for mercy, the Lord Jesus Christ, unto eternal life. So the Bible says that we are supposed to 
build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to stay in love. When the mockery comes, when the attacks come, things like, we've got to stay in love. This is what the Word of God says. All right, now, uh, let's talk about uh, this thing about praying in tongues, about praying in the Holy Ghost. So, speaking in tongues, the Bible tells us, is a sign of a believer to an unbeliever that you belong to Christ. Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 and verse number 17 is a scripture that a whole lot of people wish wasn't in the Bible. Because when they say that tongues are not for today or you're not supposed to speak in tongues and things like that, when you start popping scriptures like this on them, they don't know what to do with that because right there it is in black and white. The Bible says right there, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name, shall they cast out devils, and they shall say it with me, speak with new tongues. So speaking in tongues is perhaps one of the most controversial gifts in the body of Christ today. But Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 17 that we would speak with new tongues. Now look at verse 18 and, and then the Bible says they will take up service if they drink any other thing it won't hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down on the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following or with accompanying signs. One of those signs of a new believer was that they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4 not to, not to leave Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Father. And then, that, and then they would be endued with power from on high. He told them, go to Jerusalem and don't leave town without the promise. That's what he said. Then he ascends up into heaven and right before them and they go to Jerusalem and for 10 days... They're in an upper room waiting. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says in verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Listen to this. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to do what Jesus said you're supposed to do in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 17. The Bible said that they began to speak with other tongues or new tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now that was the coming of the Holy Spirit corporately. In the Old Testament, there are a couple of places. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit came into people. So that's the difference in the covenants there. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. The Bible said the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit came into them, and then tongues came out of them. Now, there's one place in Scripture... 
see if I can find it real quick here. But there's one place in Scripture where it looks like that someone may have been speaking in other tongues. And that's in the book of Job, Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42 and verses 1 through 5 says this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Look at this. Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful me for me which I did not know. Listen please and let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. So we see there in Job chapter 42, after Job had went through everything, that he said, I was talking to you, and I started to utter things that I did not understand, things that were too wonderful for me. And then we go now down the next verse, and the Bible talks about that he received a revelation of who Jesus was. So tongues and revelation go together. So there's a possibility that the Holy Spirit came into Job. Job, by the way, is the oldest book of the Bible. So there's a possibility that the Holy Spirit may have come into Job. But the corporate coming of the Holy Spirit did not come until Acts chapter 2. Now, <laughs> the purpose of speaking in tongues is found... We, we, could, we don't have time to get into it, but we could, and I've done this before, we could trace through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And that talks about, and we'll touch a few things there, but that talks about different purposes of speaking in other tongues, and it also talks about the proper use of tongues for today. So, first of all, just with that statement alone, that it talks about the proper use of tongues for today, it's proof that tongues are still for today. You can't read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and come out the other side of that chapter and not be convinced that tongues are not for today. Where the problem is, is there's a lot of people today that are misusing tongues. They're misusing tongues. They're not praying as the Spirit gives the utterance. They're just jabbering. And there's a difference there's a difference. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, that's exactly how we should be praying in the Holy Ghost. We shouldn't be just jabbering, just, just some, some, something that, you know, tie my bow tie, untie my bow tie, my Honda, my Honda won't start, my Honda won't start, my Honda won't start, and it gets all, oh my God, he's got it, he's got it. Now, buy Harley. If your Honda won't start, buy a Harley. Back in the 70s and the 80s, there was this move going on in the church where they would say, say this over and over and over and over and over and over. And so people, and they were trying to teach people how to speak in tongues. And so they would say the same phrase over and over and over and over and over until all of a sudden, everything would get all messed up and they'd say, oh my God, they've got it, they've got it. No, 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 they just got their tang all tangled up. <laughs> That's what happened. There's a difference in somebody teaching you how to speak in tongues if that's possible, and praying in the Spirit. 
There's a difference in that. And so when we talk about this and what Jesus was talking about, Jesus was talking about praying in the Spirit and praying in the Holy Ghost. So you can take 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You can write that down. We'll touch a few of the verses here when we're talking about the purposes for speaking in tongues. But you can write that down and maybe use it as a Bible study over the next couple of days. Why should we speak in tongues? What is the purpose of speaking in other tongues? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 2, the Bible says, He that speaks in, in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 2, the Bible teaches us that when we're praying in the Spirit, that our spirit can actually communicate one-on-one -on -one with God. I mean, we can talk to God in languages that we understand. But when I'm talking about praying in the Spirit, I'm talking about a higher level of prayer. I'm talking about intercession. I'm talking about intimacy with God. And the Bible says here, He that speaks in an unknown tongue doesn't speak unto men, but speaks unto God. You should never speak in tongues over someone. Listen to me very closely. If God gives you a word for them in tongues that will be followed by an interpretation, you will not be speaking over them. You will be speaking into them. Your spirit will be communicating with their spirit and then later on there will come an interpretation and you'll be able to understand what's going on. But if I'm speaking into your spirit, if I'm praying over you and the Holy Spirit begins to flow through me into your spirit, if it's tongues, then I know that it's going into your spirit, that God's working in the spiritual realm. And so if that ever begins to happen, we just need to understand there is something supernatural that's going on here that obviously we will not be able to understand because the Spirit is speaking in mysteries. Now there's different reasons, I don't have time to get into this, but there's different reasons why the Spirit would speak in mysteries. Number one, the devil can't understand your tongues. He can't understand when you're praying in tongues and your spirit is praying in tongues and you're praying in the Holy Spirit, the devil can't understand that that is an A and B conversation between you and God and the devil can see his way out of it. Amen. Did you get that A, B conversation? See your way out of it, devil? It's a pretty bad joke when you have to explain it, isn't it? And the Bible says, for no man understands him, how be in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. When the Holy Spirit begins to speak through you, if you don't understand it, don't stop. Just keep going. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. The Bible said that sometimes we don't even know what to pray. We'll get to that here in just a moment, but that's in Romans chapter 8. The Bible said we don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit will speak through us. So one of the reasons that we speak with tongues is because we speak in divine mysteries. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible teaches us that we speak in tongues for the purpose of personal edification. When our spirit begins to pray, which is the real us, 
When our spirit begins to pray, then we become spiritually edified. Now, the third reason that we would speak in tongues, in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 46, the Bible said they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, this was a sign to the unbeliever that the Holy Spirit had come. So the third reason that we would speak with tongues is to be a sign to the unbeliever and to, and here's the big one, I think, to magnify God. If my tongues brings confusion, then maybe I'm not praying in the Spirit. One of the things that is different about this church, and it's caused people to actually leave this church because I won't let it go on, one of the things that's different about this church than a lot of other Pentecostal churches is I'm not going to let people get up and shout and show out. If God shouts, you shout, baby. But if you've got this thing down pat where every time they sing prayer bells of heaven, that's an old song, but where every time they, every time they sing a certain song, you get up and feel like you've got to spin, then that's just you. And what happens is a lot of times things just get way out of whack and whatever the Holy Spirit does, He does decently and He does in order. Now, let me tell you something. I'd rather have to put out a little bit of wildfire than to have no fire at all. I mean, I want God to move. And I want, I want, I want the Holy Spirit to move upon people, but I don't want it to get ridiculous to the point where people, when they come in here, are coming in more just to see a show, and that happens. I mean, we had somebody here. They're not here anymore. They left about five or six months ago, but they wanted to walk across the, the stage and be part of the worship team and go like this, whoa, 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 like that. And I told them, I said, no, no, no. I said, when your worship, I said, when your worship attracts more attention to you than it gives to the Heavenly Father, then you're stealing God's glory and there's only one star around here and it's no one on this stage, it's Jesus. So we lift Jesus up and we exalt Jesus and there's people that'll leave. They'll say stuff like, well, Pastor Jonathan isn't really Pentecostal. He doesn't really believe in the move of the Spirit or, or you know, he just binds the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he won't, let, he won't let God move. He won't let the Holy Spirit move. I'll let the Holy Spirit move all day long, but I'm not going to let you get up and scare somebody that doesn't even know the Lord right out the back door because you want to be in the flesh and try to prove to everybody how spiritual you are. There's a big difference. That's why the Bible said that the spirits of the prophets are subject to under the prophets. That's why I'm not a big proponent of when a minister is up preaching under the unction of the Holy Spirit, why would the Holy Spirit interrupt himself to give tongues and interpretation in the middle of a message? If the preacher is tapped in and they're ministering under the unction of the Holy Spirit, if God needs to get something to the congregation, he can just bring it through the vessel that's speaking. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Whatever he does, he does decently and he does in order. So, when God begins to move, it should magnify God, not magnify someone else. It should drop my worship and my praise, should inspire other people to worship the Lord. It should draw attention to Him, not attention to me. 
When I'm speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, if it's in a correct place in a believer's meetings, I, it's okay. Let the Lord use you and let Him speak through you and let Him minister through you. But here's how you know whether it's God or not. If you're busy just watching that person and being amused by them, then it might not be God. But if watching them inspires you to say, God, I want some of that, and you begin to worship, and you begin to praise, then it's probably God. Does that make sense? I know it does. I know you got it too because you're smart. So the purpose of speaking in tongues is for spiritual edification. Speak in divine ministries to magnify God. And then speaking with other tongues help us, helps us pray according to the will of God. And that's in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. You know, right before Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to them that love God, who are, to those who are called according to His we, we like to quote that scripture, don't we? But what's the, what's the two verses before that say? Here's what it says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities... For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, let me go down a little track here, okay? Man, I'm going to get myself in trouble. But if the Bible says the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, then why do we try to utter the groanings? Mm. Give birth, give birth, give birth, travail, travail. Come on. Think about it. The great move, I say great move, there was a big move years ago about travail, 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 travail. Completely contrary to faith. You really think you can get what you need from God by working yourself up in the altar? God doesn't respond to that. He responds to faith. Now, sometimes God works on us in the altar and there's tears and there's a move of God and sometimes God moves on us and He opens up our spirit and He pours stuff into us and, and things of that nature. But the Bible said right here that the Spirit can pray and make intercession for us and it's the Spirit that's making the intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes people, and I think intercession is the highest calling of God. I think it's higher than teaching. I think it's higher than preaching. I think it's higher than worship. I think intercessory prayer is the highest calling of God. But if we don't watch it, we get caught up in the semantics of intercession and we don't think that we have interceded unless we've been in a fetal position trying to give birth to something in the spirit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where's that in the word? Where's that in the Word? See, this is what makes Pentecostal people look flaky. They do stuff that's not backed up by the Word. Verse number 27, the Bible said, He that searches the hearts knows what's the mind of the Spirit. Now look at this, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So... Is it the Spirit making intercession for the saints or is it the saints making intercession for the saints? 
It's the Spirit. It's right there in the Word. It's right there in the Word. The Bible said that the, that the Holy Spirit, the Bible said we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. The Spirit will make intercession for us. So the Spirit will pray. And the Spirit will make intercession for us. And the Spirit is the ones that's doing all of these things. And the Bible said that the Spirit is searching the hearts uh, and knows what's the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession. It's the Spirit that makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Our job when the Spirit is interceding on our behalf is to just receive. Lord, I receive what this is according to your will. I receive it, Lord. I receive it. I receive it. I realize that the Holy Spirit's trying to get something to me, but I receive it. Let, and here's the thing. And now, now listen to me. Now I'm going to teach you a principle about intercession. You quit doing the work and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Well, what's my, what's my part in it? Be present. And be open. And let the Lord do what He wants to do. But quit trying to do God's job for Him. Does that make sense? There are so many people. There's, there's, there's ministries built on stuff like this. All they need to do is read their Bible. It's not hard to understand. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. Be available. Come to the altar. Spend time with the Lord. Let Him work on you. Let Him clean you out. Let Him pour His Spirit inside of you. Let Him move inside of you. Let Him move through you. But you don't do it. Let him do it. You be the vessel. Mm, hallelujah. Okay. Your spirits, your spirits receive an edification from the Lord. It's right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But your spirit receives... No, 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 no. No, no, it's, it's the Lord. No, it's the Lord, it's the Lord moving on you. It's the Lord moving through you. It's the Lord reaching in and, and, and pouring His Spirit through you. You're praying in the Holy Ghost. You're praying in the Holy Ghost, and a lot of times, a lot of times, especially even in a, even a, in a, even in a believers meeting like this. Sometimes that'll happen in, in the area of spiritual warfare. 
But the point that I'm trying to make is let God fight the battle. You be the vessel. So many times we put the pressure on ourselves to do what God is trying to do. And we just need to let God do His thing. No, 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 don't. See, and see, a lot of times people are concerned with that too. That's, that's just, and I, I'm not saying that, I'm just going to kind of say it like this. It's like prideful when we, when we say, God, I don't want you to knock me down in the, I mean, yes. how many know who Bobby Jean Merck is? Anyone ever heard of Bobby Jean Merck? Some of you have, some of you haven't. Okay, Bobby Jean Merck's powerful woman of God. Well, she was ministering there in Lexington once. And, um, you know, I'm just one of these guys. I just don't go down. T.O. Lowry hit me upside the head, just about broke my neck, and I still didn't go down. I mean, you're not going to knock me down in the floor. Okay, I'm not giving anybody a CD, a courtesy drop. You know, I'm not, not going to do that. If God wants to put me in the floor, God can do that. So I look at Donna and Bobby Jean Mark. She's praying for everybody. People are just falling all over everywhere and everything. And I looked at Donna, and she wanted to pray for us. And I told Donna, I said, I ain't going down. Not doing it. I mean, my goodness, if we stood there with 300 ministers and Benny Hinn went, and everybody fell but me and Donna, and we're standing there looking around like, what in the world, you know, like that. I mean, uh, and I said, I ain't going down. Well, she just got close to me. She didn't even have to touch me, and the power of God hit me, and down I went. Now, I had to be open to that. Denny. Well, that's the whole, the Holy Spirit speaks. The Bible said the Holy Spirit speaks through us. And so we have to, and listen, you need to understand, not everybody's going to speak in tongues. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. Now, there's a little teaching out there that, that is like that, but it doesn't mean that you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues. You can get to heaven and never speak in tongues because it's not the tongues that saves you, it's the blood. Amen. Amen. Yep. Okay. All right, let me give you one more scripture here. Yeah, Dad. And try the spirits. And try the, and try the spirits and, make sure, and see whether they be of God or not. Try the spirits, see whether they be of God or not. So the thing, the thing that, uh, and, and it goes back to what I've, I've constantly taught, is if God moving on me attracts the attention of the congregation to me and off of the Lord, then I need to reexamine my praise. I need to reexamine my response. Because God will not share His glory with anyone. Now, I think, you know, the last thing in the world that will really attract very many people's attention is if God knocks you down in the floor. If you're down in the floor, nobody can see you. You know, I mean, you, you understand? 
So, uh, and, and I want God to move, but I want it to be God. I want, I've seen so much junk through the years, and it's cost people the opportunity to give their life to Christ. You know, I want it to be God. I want God to move. And that's important. 1 Corinthians 14, 22, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. So there are some people who say, well, there's a place in the Scripture where the Bible says that if you speak in tongues and there's no interpretation, won't they say you're mad? And the answer is yes. That's right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But, but when there are unbelievers in the midst and God begins to speak, if it's the Lord, and He begins to speak through tongues and interpretation, it's not going to run the lost out the door. It's going to attract the lost to Christ. That's one of the ways that you know it's the Lord. Okay? That's what, listen, let me tell you something. Let me say, let me say this and then I'll, I'll, I'll hush up. But let me say something. Praying in the Holy Ghost is a very sacred thing. The charismatic church trivialized it. And what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, everybody just, come on, just start praying in the Holy Ghost right, right now. You know, and there were times, there were, there were some churches where they would get together and that's all they would ever do. Sit around in circles and prophesy to each other. Is the Lord telling you anything? Is the Lord telling you anything? I just want to say, open your Bible. There's, the Lord's telling you guys a lot. Just open your Bible. Read your Bible. Every time you open, people say, God doesn't, God's not speaking to me. Read your Bible. That's God speaking to you. It's not hard to understand. But the, but the charismatic church trivialized it. They cheapened it. Speaking in tongues, Thelma, is sacred. It's a holy practice. It's not something that you just do because you say, well, okay, I'm praying, so I'm just going to start speaking in tongues. That's, that's not praying in the Holy Ghost. That's not praying in the Spirit. You pray until you feel the unction in your spirit to speak that out. Now, let me tell you something. It's your spirit that's going to pray, but your flesh is going to know it's happening. God's not going to knock you over the top of the head with a ball bat and you're going to wake up and there I am, been talking in tongues for the last 15 minutes. That's not how it happens. Your spirit, your flesh is going to know it's, hap it's, it's happening and your flesh is going to have to surrender to the move of the spirit that God is trying to work through you. But your flesh has to be submitted it has to be surrendered. And we have got to get back to the, to, the, to the truth that this is a sacred thing. This is not trivial. I want to see God move. I want to see Lakewood have I want to see this region have revival. My goodness, I want global revival. I pray for global revival my whole life. I want to see that happen. But I want it to be God moving. I want it to be God moving. Amen? All right. Well, we didn't get to the point about private or public, but that's okay because we're out of time tonight. Has this teaching helped you? Has it made you think? Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. See, this is why the Bible says to study 
to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be, to sh be ashamed. Listen, rightly dividing the word of truth. Where we go off into error is when we take a little phrase here or a little phrase there and we build an entire doctrine off of it and we take it completely out of context and we don't test it with the rest of the scripture. That's why it's important. Now I've told you over and again, that's why it's important for you to go to a teaching word church that teaches you the whole counsel of God from the first chapter of Genesis to the last chapter of Revelation. The whole counsel of God. A balance. A balance. Balance makes us healthy. Balance makes us healthy. Amen. I just feel prompted to say this about that. If all you ever eat is sugar, are you going to get sick? Okay. If all you ever hear is faith, 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 and nothing else, you think you'll get spiritually sick? Or righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. Now here's the thing. Your body needs a little sugar for your mental, if nothing else. But your body needs a little sugar. Well, we need all this other stuff too. We need teachings on faith. We need teachings on righteousness. We need teachings on what Calvary paid for, on that God wants us to prosper and to be in health. We need those teachings. But we also need to learn what sin is, what the Word says sin is. And, and we need to learn how to live for the Lord. And we need to open up the 13 Pauline epistles where he was given the New Testament church instructions on how to be Christians. And we need to take that and we need to to read it and we need to digest it that needs to become that's just as important as teachings on faith and teachings on righteousness and teachings on healing and teachings on tongues it's just as important Christian conduct is just as important as all of this other stuff and I think what's happening in the church today is we have a lot of people heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears and the teachers are falling into the trap of teaching that which will put seats in seats Okay, butts in seats. Right? And so what's happening is we have a weak, anemic church. We have a crowd, but very few converts. To me, to me, ministry success is hearing the Lord say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I would rather offend you than lie to you and cost you your relationship with the Lord. I'd rather teach you the Word. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.